1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Impact of influence. The tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths they are linked to. Hello, friend. So grateful and happy that you've decided to join us for the episode. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker's here as well and you can reach out to us via Facebook and even Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. So, anniversary time, huh, sort of.
1: Yes, yesterday, uh, June 22nd was the year anniversary of the release of our first podcast. And yes. it's just crazy. Kind of surreal. Like I'm shocked that we don't have more answers and that we are still doing this after a year.
0: I am very surprised and uh for those who weren't in the know, we'll recap how this whole thing came to play, uh, you were out... Well, first of all, you had been following the Mallory Beach boating accident.
1: Yeah, I started following that when I saw Facebook Please that she would hopefully be found safely. Um, so I really was hooked at that point because I grew up in the area, grew up boating in high school on those same locations. So I just was wondering, how did this possibly happen? And also have kids in similar ages. So I started following it at that point and then... Unfortunately, she was not found safely, so I still kind of was just very curious about this story, and I just read everything I could, read all the local news, followed Facebook groups and Reddit pages and really got into it, and it was funny because I was at a USC game. And the people in front of me were from Beaufort. And I said, Do you know these do you know this story? And they were like, Oh, of course. Yeah, we know the story. We know the families. And we we see Paul out. Paul Murdoch. Paul Murdoch out. He he was back at Carolina at this point. This was the next football season after Mallory's death. And we just kind of chatted. And she said, I see him out all the time. And it just was uncomfortable for some reason to me. Sure, yeah. And then I actually saw the family at a USC game. And my daughter knew of my obsession of the story, and she grabbed my arm and said, "Don't say anything." <laughs> it was but Paul, it,
0: Maggie and Alec.
1: Right. It was, was the Buster inti- there too. Yes. Okay. It was the entire family walked out of an elevator while I was waiting to go down, Ugh. and so it just felt off that Mallory had died, and it was less than a year after her death, and he was kind of continuing on with normal life. I mean, I don't know. You know, you you have to move past it, but it just was felt odd. weird to me.
0: And also, at about that time, you when you started going into that, of course, you came across a Stephen Smith story who was uh, killed in a like, rule to hit and run. So you had also gotten into that before we started our podcast.
1: Right. And I'd heard the rumors about Gloria Satterfield. But there were just rumors at that point. So I just was very curious just as a general citizen, not as a reporter. Right. and just really wanted to tell the story.
0: And then the murders happened. The murders of Of Paul and Maggie. Is it that night or the next day you see my wife? No,
1: it was the next week, I believe.
0: Yeah. It was was soon after.
1: Right. It was within a week of their death.
0: Right. Uh, You run into my wife at an outing with the girls, and you decided, I think, to stay for one more or something. And that was weird because that is when you made the connection because there wasn't many people around. You said to Amy, you love this thing. You wanted to do a podcast, right?
1: Right. I had been wanting to do a podcast, but everyone I knew said... Do you want to get sued? Do not do this. Right. And then when I was talking to Amy, I was like, well, it's now or never.
0: And you said you, know, you, you wanted to do the podcast. And Amy says, well, Matt, he's always wanted to do a true crime podcast because he's been obsessed with them. He also has some experience being in radio for years. And I do a radio podcast. And we're like, so the next day we meet at Starbucks. We talk about it. And we figure, how are we are going to get this done? Let's do it. We just jumped in. First, we tried to jump in a studio. We couldn't figure out what we were doing. And then we <laughs> called, uh, and then I happened to have met Dwayne like a year before. And we just blew in here. I didn't know much about the case. I, we we're kind of embarrassed when we listened back to the first few episodes. I cannot
1: listen to the beginning <laughs> episodes. It is embarrassing.
0: Because we were just literally spitballing. And we honestly believed that our friends and relatives might listen. If we'd gotten a hundred listeners, we would have said, that's great.
1: We, uh, we did have 100 listeners, and we were like, oh my gosh, we have 100 listeners. I know. And we were so excited. Yeah. And now, um,
0: like, you know, we're up to like 4 million or something like that. And we, that's why we say when we say we open with something about being grateful, and you, you don't even understand. We did not expect this to be what it is. And it's thanks to you and a lot of other folks that have helped throughout the year.
1: Well, we, sh- we do. We should thank our listeners. Of course, I think you just did. But we also should thank all of the amazing reporters in our state and also nationally mm-hmm. that have covered this story, which yeah. we, we couldn't do our job without them because we also have other jobs.
0: And we, as often as possible, we, we always try to remember to give credit where we got the source from.
1: Yes, we definitely need to thank all of the amazing experts we've had on our podcast. Mm-hmm. We've Great. had just a full gamut. We really feel like that adds value, and Mm -hmm. we hope that you do too. Um, Especially want to give a shout-out to John Snyder because he's been on with us so many times. Yep,
0: great legal analyst. And also, we should point out that we do our part to dig up legal documents and file FOIA requests. And also, what's great is that you Listener, you send us stuff all the time.
1: Oh, we have gotten so many great tips from listeners, yes. just theories, but also local people who have reached out to us. And we've had tremendous support amongst all of the different Facebook groups. I, before this all started, didn't really know what a sleuth group was, mm-hmm. but they all do great jobs and you can, they're a great source of information.
0: Yes. Yes. So thank you all again. Grateful. Now, let's get to some unanswered questions that have popped up in this last year of of doing this podcast and the last year of of this case.
1: Right. We just didn't think that we would still have this many unanswered questions. So I guess the first one... The major one. The major one is, why haven't Maggie and Paul's murders been solved? We've received no information about those. I mean, at this point, we should have all the forensics. We would have thought by this time last year that an arrest would have been made.
0: And I will say that, you know, some of... The people we talk to and the sources we have have been saying for about a month that arrest is imminent. Arrest is imminent, and these people are in the know. So I, I don't know what arrest is imminent means because it's we've, it's about a month, right? That we've been hearing that. I think yes. it's been.
1: And there was a report. I believe it came out last week in ABC News Four, and it said that their sources said. Let me pull that. Let me pull that up real quick. So. Their story from June 13th said that their sources say that homicide investigators possess evidence strongly linking an individual suspect to the murders. Hmm. So we've heard this from a couple of different news sources. So mm-hmm. let's hope that those are, in fact, true.
0: And that was from uh, News 4, Charleston? ABC yeah. News 4. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Drew Tripp, I believe, wrote that, and Ann Emerson, they were both at the Satterfield Charity Press Conference. night, Real nice folks. So, and great.
1: they were on the ID special that we will talk about later in this episode. Very
0: good. Another question that hasn't been answered is why Stephen Smith's case has been reopened. It was ruled a hit and run, and there's been a lot of controversy about that. But the fact that the case was reopened due to something they found during the Maggie and Paul murder investigation— We still don't know what that was and what it may lead to. Exactly. Other question. What do you got with me?
1: So, obviously, we talked about this in the last episode, but we now know that SLED has requested for Gloria Satterfield's body to be exhumed. So, why?
0: And what do they hope to find, even? Exactly. Uh, The other question, which I get a lot of in my email— is people asking? Or someone of the, actually? When I when I run into people, one of the first questions they ask.
1: Yeah, they, me too. Right.
0: What, what happened to cousin Eddie?
1: Everyone wants to know where cousin Eddie is. We have reports that he has been cooperating with authorities, but he has been laying low. We have not seen much of him in the last six months. Or to so. to
0: recap for you, the cousin Eddie was the guy that Alec Murdoch claims he hired to drive over and kill Alec. So a lot of uh, insurance money would go to his son, Buster. Eddie says that's not the way it went down. And furthermore, later, months later, we find out that Eddie was getting these big checks from Alec.
1: So when we interviewed Bland back in November, our minds were blown because this was the first time we heard about the extent of involvement and checks. So let's listen to what Bland had to say.
0: It's a a tip of the iceberg of the um, amount of checks that were written by Alex Murdoch to Cousin Eddie over the last year and a half. $155,000. It's crazy. There's other bank accounts that show other checks being written to Cousin Eddie, personal checks. And you can only paint so many houses, cut so much grass. And it it wouldn't surprise me that uh, Cousin Eddie doesn't report this amount of money that he was getting from Alex Murdoch on his income taxes. I mean what what did cousin Eddie do with it? He wasn't living high on the on the hog and that has not even been brought up in months. And yeah. I'm really Eddie's gotta go in front of him court at some point. I don't know. It's just very bizarre that we know not much about a Cousin Eddie.
1: Well, I think we should get to the ID special because some of these questions that we have, they kind of go into in this ID special. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to the special, we should also mention that this special does involve Vicki Ward, and she is the one who has been involved in some litigation with Parker's and the Beach family in regards to these leaked mediation documents. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tinsley says he did not give them to her. It's kind of unclear how she did get those, um, if someone affiliated with Parker's gave them to her. We don't know, but these, some of these documents were included in this special.
0: Right. Uh, also, the, the controversial one, which she said was an accident, that she had a link that ended up in public domain that you could see photos of Mallory Beach's body.
1: Now I actually missed it. I I think there was a photo of Mallory Beach. I was watching the special with my husband and I looked down for a moment and I guess there was a picture of her. It was blurred out. um, So I don't think it was that salacious, but I I have not lost a child. So I don't know what it would be like to have your family member, your dead child on national TV. Right,
0: right. And I, but I was surprised that I kind of felt like it was going to be a very graphic type Photo or something. And it wasn't. It's not, and that I am not blaming the Beach family. Don't get me wrong at all. I could see why they'd not want to be up there. I've but, seen this it, kind
1: of thing on other true crime specials. Right? But again, I am not a family member. I would be horrified if this was my child and yes, that was we are not out in the public domain.
0: Not passing judgment on their feelings toward it. uh So this special didn't really hold back. They talked to individuals who had stories about, say, Paul, for instance, or Buster without a lot of co- corroborating-type evidence, like, they just let's just talk to this person, and they say what they say, it was kind of interesting to me. And, yeah. the, of course, the whole thing about Paul Murdoch, the theme when they talked to the Hampton residents, it jumped out at both of us right away, is about Paul killing animals.
1: Yeah, that was that was shocking. I mean, one person said... Frogs and lizards, and another person I think mentioned a squirrel. You know, obviously everyone knows the correlation between killers and killing animals at a young age. But frogs and lizards, I don't know squirrels. And, but I mean, but he's a
0: hunter; he could have shot squirrels. I don't know.
1: I well, my neighbor growing up actually shot squirrels and ate them. So, yeah. and my husband's best friend they used to make squirrel stew. We're not, not defending Paul at
0: all, and uh, but the, definitely the implication was.
1: But they said at five. So that is a very young age, yes, to yes, yes. be participating in this type of yes. behavior.
0: Yes, yes, yes. It is it's very uh, bizarre. And the, the the whole theme around Paul Murdock was that he's in this in this special that he it was it they, they, they without saying it, it certainly implied that at least the, rest, the two people they talk to think he's kind of like a psychopath or something. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to. Be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today.
1: So there was a lot of video that we had not seen in mm. any other special. I, th- I thought it was very Interesting to watch. One of the videos actually portrayed him in a good light when he was... It was audio from when the police were there, Mallory's was missing, and they were trying to find her. He is inquiring about how good the team is. They're going to find her. He, do, he did seem to show yeah, genuine yeah. concern of whether that concern was just about her or for his own implications of his own future. I don't know. I mean, he also seemed very intoxicated during that call.
0: And also... That is the first time we heard audio of Paul sounding or even a report of him seeming to care at all. In fact, at one point, he's walking, Paul's walking by the police car on the the footage that we saw. And who's in the back again?
1: Anthony That's, is in the back, yeah, the back. And he's, you know, obviously very upset, ye- yelling at him. And he
0: says, Paul's laughing. Right. I'll wipe that smile off your face or something like that, he says. So this is the first time we've heard any report that Paul even mentioned how is a Mallory or anything like that.
1: Right, and Anthony does seem to be clearly indicating that Paul is the driver.
0: Mm-hmm. And also in the special, they had some of the Snapchat photos and pictures of the the, the boating parties, the, you know, the drinking and stuff.
1: And injuries of the boaters. They had pictures of the, the boaters, and they did look like they had some pretty significant injuries. Yes.
0: All right, so— What else did we find out from this ID special?
1: One of the major things I noticed was they talked about the location of Maggie and Paul's body. And one thing they said was Paul's body was half in, half out of the kennels, and Maggie was found approximately 15 feet away.
0: First time we've heard that.
1: First time we've heard it, and also that brought, in my mind, was Paul surprised. If he was half in, half out of the kennels, was he's doing something with an animal? Why?
0: And also— I questioned, does a half-in, half-out mean that the dogs got out?
1: Yeah. Were the dogs still in the kennels?
0: Because we did not hear or see any reports of the police arriving and mentioning having to put up the dogs or take care of the dogs. We don't hear in Alex's call, he doesn't say, I'm going to put up the dogs or anything like that. So if he was half-in, half-out, maybe there's two sections. I don't know. It just seems like, we're the dogs now. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, I'm so. also, i I'm just
1: also—I mean, it just wonder it makes you wonder what was happening that he was halfway. Was he put there, or was he— That's true, too. Was he doing something, and he was surprised?
0: Mm-hmm. I also want to talk about the Stephen Smith part of the special.
1: So we hear from investigator Duncan, who goes on record and says that he believes Smith was murdered by blunt force trauma, and he also says that— while he was conducting his investigation, he thought that he was being surveilled.
0: Yeah, that was the weird one to me, that he thought that he was being followed. And he was getting, he felt like he was getting pressured to like, what are you doing around here? Why are you investigating this kind of thing? Yeah. And uh, you may have heard us talk about Presnell earlier, too, who was one of the investigators also, who said the same thing. So this is these two guys.
1: Yeah. And we hear some audio from different witnesses. A lot of them are implicating Buster. One of them actually says that Buster Murdoch stuck something out the window. And they talk about a possible relationship between Buster and Steven.
0: We've heard that rumor before. We had. We'd had. But this is just like a person. Now, the question is, was it investigated and they didn't find anything? Or was this person not credible who was telling the story to the cop? We don't know. Right. Right. Why it wasn't followed up on. Or if it was, we don't know.
1: We also hear from Linda, who was Gloria Satterfield's best friend. Um, She gives... Some information about working conditions of Gloria, that she was never paid for a vacation, that she would go to work sick because you know she wouldn't be paid if she wasn't there.
0: We also hear that Maggie went to the hospital to visit Gloria only once or a couple times?
1: Once and no one else from the family. We'd yeah, also heard that in the past. Which is weird.
0: Yeah. We've heard that before, but it was confirmed.
1: So an interesting thing is the connection between Linda, Gloria's best friend, and the Stephen Smith case. So Linda is the mother of a man named Nick Ginn. His name comes up during the investigation of Stephen Smith. He is a career law enforcement officer, currently a member of the Varnville Town Council. So Ginn was interviewed by Officer Duncan during the Smith investigation. I guess Ginn was an officer. He received a tip from a man named Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams was the stepfather of a man named Patrick Wilson. Who had previously had some trouble with the law. So Williams tells Officer Ginn that his stepson may know who killed Stephen Smith. Patrick Wilson and another man named Sean Connolly were out together. They had been drinking, and Sean Connolly the next morning. Thinks that maybe he hit something. So he goes back to the scene and there's lots of police and they realize that someone has been found dead. Sean Connolly's grandfather owns a house or owns a farm on Sandy Run Road. Which is where Stephen's body was found. Which was where Stephen's body was found.
0: And now you found all these connections and telling you how small of a town this is. Because what, follow the bouncing ball here now, people. Because it's a little tricky here. So Linda's on the special best friend of Gloria Satterfield, her son's Nick Ginn. Nick Ginn is now inserted into the Stephen Smith case because he is the one who takes the report from Daryl Williams. The interesting thing is there, Daryl Williams is also tied into Linda, Gloria Satterfield's friend.
1: How? Because they were married at one point.
0: Okay. So in the story, she is Gloria Satterfield's best friend, Her son takes a report from her ex-husband about who may have killed Stephen Smith. Did I break that down right?
1: Yeah, it was really hard for me to follow this. I actually had to make a diagram.
0: Right, right. Nothing became of that investigation, obviously, because the Stephen Smith case was just reopened. No one's been arrested, and uh, we don't know what happened.
1: But it just tells you that this community is a small community and lots of connections everywhere you look.
0: Exactly. Let's go now to some things that have... uh, broken over the last uh, few days
1: since our last episode we have a few things we have elec has waived his right to his disbarment hearing which was supposed to happen on wednesday which was just yesterday um so my biggest question with this is does this mean the obstruction of justice charges are they going to continue to investigate that i don't know the answer to that question kind of feel like that would be something good to talk to john about
0: so he just said, yeah, I'm going okay. to I'm not even going to fight.
1: It. Uh, yeah, I think, you what know, you obviously do? he's yeah. not getting out of jail anytime soon. He's thinking, what, you know, is it really worth me fighting? No
0: way. I mean, I can't imagine he would be able to get it back right now. Um, what else do we have? Moselle, right?
1: So it looks like Moselle is going to be sold. Uh, there's two buyers who have been named. One I know is the owner of a farm, which is adjacent to uh, okay. the Moselle property. So it seems to make sense that they would want to buy it. There's also something that has been brought up by the co-receivers. The co-receivers are challenging uh, the sale of Moselle for $5 for love and affection.
0: And that was in 2016, that sale.
1: Right. So the co-receivers call the transfer of the property to be fraudulent. They say some of the money that was used to pay the mortgage was from stolen funds, um, and that it was either an attempt to evade creditors or he was negligent in not considering the impact to creditors.
0: And we will have to wait and see how that plays out.
1: Last thing we need to talk about is the jailhouse tapes. They are now have been released. I think we only have them through February. You can find out a lot of information about these tapes if you want to from the state paper. Also, Fitz News. You can go to both of those sources and listen to the tapes if you want to. A few things that kind of jumped out on my mind about this. Um, I know when the federal court ruled that it didn't file under Title Three. They kind of left the door open that it could go back to state court. Mm -hmm. But Harpootlian and Griffin did not file anything with state court. So you're wondering, did they not feel like they could win this? Did they not feel there was anything too damaging in the tapes, that they Mm -hmm. were fine with them being released? Mm -hmm. Does Alec not have enough money to pay his attorney's fees, which I think is definitely true. And maybe they feel that there's going to be a lot of litigation. So
0: Why worry about this little battle?
1: Right. Let's pick and choose which one. Or is there like some sort of strategic reason why they would want those tapes mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be out there Yep. also kind of a question in my mind is with these tapes being out there what does that mean for the rest of us like if my neighbor goes to jail mm-hmm. and, and for some reason and i want to like be nosy neighbor and like hear what he has to say yeah. about this like isn't it's are can we all get anybody's tapes now that we just i would assume Want to, we're curious about
0: because when you file a FOIA request and i filed a few of them they Don't ask you, are you a media or are you whatever? They just say, All right, Matt Harris, here, give me $180, whatever, and I'll send you the tapes, whatever the price was. Um, so it, it, you don't have that to be media to get information,
1: right? Um, but you and can it, do that exactly.
0: I don't know, we got to. Do we know anybody who's been arrested lately? (laughs) I don't know. I might have to go see what happens. But
1: again, I mean, there's, you know, there could be some really valuable. I did read the state paper and the Fitz News articles on them, and it seems like a lot of different things, family conversations, you know, what he's buying in the commissary. I think he put some flowers on family members' graves, that sort of thing, it was really interesting to kind of hear about what the conditions were like in the jail. They seemed pretty scary. Um, the jail went on lockdown frequently.
0: Imagine that. Uh, jail was a little rougher than Alec thought it might be.
1: No. And <laughs> I mean, I think he's probably would definitely rather be in this uh, nice federal jail yeah. if he can.
0: Right. He's facing, what, 700 years or something like that right now. So maybe a little time in there. He's going to be like, all right, I'll just plea down and get me to some country club jail somewhere.
1: Well, there are no federal charges currently, but if they do, I think he would probably jump at that chance.
0: So let's uh, read some reviews and some comments and some emails we received from UVA. Love the podcast. Love this podcast. Seton and Matt have a great back and forth. Love the conversational style. We have KD says, great coverage of a crazy case. Really enjoy it. Very unbiased coverage and respectful discussions. I think that's why the locals choose this podcast. Oh, thank you! And uh, so happy that you take the high road. It says, "Here's another one from L. Love Cool Jane." (laughs) I like the podcast a lot. Seton is a normal-sounding voice with good pacing, but with this recording, Matt's voice often sounds oddly sped up. He's clipping off his words; it's very hard to listen to. I suggest a vocal coach. All right, thanks. I'll try. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I, I, I could take it. I've yeah, been in this business a long time. All right. So also, we got Wanda. This podcast is my go-to every week. Seton and Matt do a great job of presenting information in an unbiased way. Bringing in experts on related topics is one of my favorite parts of the show. Goodness, John Snyder is so helpful at clarifying legal issues. We agree. I used to wonder what podcast would replace this one for me when the saga ends. But I think it might not ever end. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you, uh, Wanda. And thank each and every one of you. Always grateful, always happy. And uh, we've done it now for a little over a year. And we're going strong. Uh, Seaton, any final lovely words?
1: No, just thank you. Reach out to us on our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcast, or on our website, which is MurdochPodcast.com. Talk soon.
0: Void where by law. 18 plus terms and apply. See website for details.
1: Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface, to strange phenomenon slicing through
0: her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people, to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. Ohiomysteries.com